Okay, so uh, today, as you can see, we've got a bit of a treat for you all. So we've got a, a panel this session. And so I'm going to invite some wonderful women up here. And we're just going to chat. We're going to ask questions. And we're really going to talk about what it is to uh, take the leap and to live a life that is out there. So I'd love to welcome uh, Pastor Kirsty, where are you? Aussie Prince, oh, come on! Pastor Kirsty, come on! Susan Willis Baker, Ruku Schaufhausen, and Lavender Fussy Tour. Come on, ladies, you all come out. Wonderful, wonderful. We're all going to take a seat here on the lounge. Isn't this, are you guys comfortable? Yes, you're comfy. Very good, very good. Uh, now, it's really wonderful to have you all here, and we really just want to glean from your lives, your lives of faith. I know many, many, many women in this room and not in this room who look up to you um, in the different spheres and the different areas that you uh, live in. So firstly, we'd just like to get to know you guys a little bit. Can you tell us all, each of you, a little bit about yourself, your family, and I guess what you do during the week? Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm Kirsty. I'm from Equipus Tauranga. Um, um, I have two beautiful little girls. I have Michaela, who is three, and Carmen, who is one. Um, two little miracles in our life. Uh, Michaela, we adopted, and we picked her up on Christmas Day, so she's our little Christmas gift. And Carmen, who came two years later, she was our last chance at IVF. Um, so two little miracles in our world. Uh, we've been in Tauranga for six years pastoring there. Before that, we were in Equippers, London, where we first actually discovered Equippers. Um, I'm 38 years old because everyone always tries to work it out. I worked it out with Pastor Sophia last night. So sorry, ladies, you all have to confess now. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Hi, Malo Lele. Uh, my name's Laventa Fustua. I am married to Madali Fustua. We're pastoring Equipus Tonga. Um, and uh, we have four colorful girls, 15, 14, 12, and 10, all in five years. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and uh, we've been in Tonga 11 years up to now. Yep. Uh, but we were here in Auckland. I, this is my home church. Hi, lovely ladies. My name's Susan, and um, I won't tell you my age, but I will tell you that I've been married for uh, 31 years. Um, and I always love telling everyone this, but I married my first boyfriend. Um, and he still makes my heart sing. But actually, having tell, telling you that, part of our testimony is a reconciled marriage. So I'm so thankful for that. Um, I have three daughters, 23. 17 and 14, and most times they make my heart sing too. <laughs> there's a lot of pleasure, and there's a little bit of other emotions as well. <laughs> um, during the week, I am really privileged. I um, manage the social services arm of the Equippers Group, and what that looks like is we've got SENS training and employment, who get long-term unemployed into employment. We've got CLS, who run alternative education programs, for 13 to 16 year olds. We've got the Incredible Years Parenting Program. We are an amazing, amazing body. And I'm so blessed to lead and serve alongside some amazing people. Thank you. 
My name is Rukumwana Schaffhausen. I, um, I also have two miracle boys, uh, Manasse, uh, age six, and Emanuela, five. I am married to the awesome uh, Pastor William Schaffhausen from Equippers Auckland, and actually we've been married as long as we've been at Equippers Auckland for 13 years. So, and, uh, and during the week, I... Um, I also have the privilege of serving on lots of different uh, companies, so I'm a director or, or a chairperson of these companies. Wow. Why don't we give these ladies a hand? Awesome. Um, okay, so what are some of your favorite things to do? Well, this morning, because I don't get to do it a lot, but I walked on the beach, and I really love Trina spa treatments, just saying. Didn't you win that prize? Yeah. <laughs> it's my favourite thing. I, um, I love just spending time with my family. Um, family, my nuclear family and my extended family, just hanging out. I also love cafeing, Facebooking, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I really love the creative arts. So whenever I get a chance, I go to plays, I go to musicals. Uh, I love uh, the arts. I love cafeing with my sister. Um, I love cafeing with my mum. Uh, we love the movies. And I genuinely love catching up with people. Um, I, I love people, so I love just doing coffees and hanging out with people. Um, I'm a bit of a sport junkie, um, and I love uh, basketball once upon a time. That's how my husband met. Uh, we met. Um, but I love going to the gym. That's kind of my time, and, yeah, that's kind of me. Wow, that's a really helpful habit, eh? Going to the gym, <laughs> being your my time, your me time, your green space. I'm challenged already. <laughs> I honest, honestly, thank you, Jesus. This is why we have panels like this. That is an actual way to live. It's good, it's good, okay. So why don't you guys tell us what freaks you out or scares you the most? Or do you have just any random, random fears, random phobias? Um, you're not allowed to taunt me with this if I tell you the circle of trust here. Um, I hate worms and I hate slugs. I, even, I can't even hold them on a, like, a gardening glove. And I've even got to the point where I think if one of my girls comes in eating one, I'm just going to be like, finish it off. I'm not getting it out. So, worms and slugs. I, um, I don't like heights. And um, we took our girls to Rainbow's End one year. And my 10-year-old, she was eight. She went up that fearful by herself, up and down, and I was standing there. Oh, good one. Yeah, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be setting example. But no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Um, I've got a similar story to um, Lavender, but I, um, most of my childhood I suffered from vertigo, so heights in me, we don't do well. And one year, um, my husband's family had a family reunion, and I was with a whole lot of similar age women, and I was challenging us to do a ride with the, the kids, and I realised that because I'd said that, I had to lead by example, and so I did the pirate ship, thinking it was really safe, um, and no, so... I had all these women moaning and groaning, and I was pretending so hard that actually I was enjoying it, and I came away and I was green. Um, the 
gym? No, <laughs> I like the gym. Oh, I get it, I get it. Ah. Um, actually, what does freak me out, apart from rats and mice, is um, public speaking, so yeah. Kia ora. Can we just give Ruku a mighty round of applause? Wow. Oh, that's, we are so blessed to have you. Um, can you tell us about um, a leap of faith you might have taken in your life? And was it a success? Or perhaps a success next time kind of situation? And how did you deal with it? Um, I'll start on this one. Um, I get really passionate about uh, social justice. And I'm really passionate about our programs. And I really... Um, detest poverty because I don't think poverty in itself is the issue, it's our mindsets towards poverty. And I think if people are blessed with the right tools, then they can, they can advance and improve. And we had a successful program which I really loved. And out of nowhere, the government decided to pull funding. And I got an indignation in my spirit and I thought, no, you know what, I'm gonna push back. So I started doing what most pen pushers do, they write an email. And of course it didn't go anywhere, so I was disappointed. And, but I really started to pray and ask the Lord, what else could I do? Could you put me in an environment? What can you do that I can have a conversation? And uh, out of nowhere, a group of uh, women that I'd worked in a previous life, they booked a, a corporate table and I was blessed with a free ticket to go to a corporate table for a charity fundraiser. And it was a faith-based organization. It was doctors on ships who were visiting third world countries. And I was seated in a table right next to the minister who was responsible for that funding. <laughs> I was sitting at this table and I thought, God, what's a conversation starter with a minister? And I was thinking, what could I say? What could I say? God, give me a moment, give me a moment. I couldn't eat the dinner, I couldn't, because I just wanted a moment. And as soon as there was a moment, I went over and we had the most natural conversation. And I said to him, you know that program that helps our Pacifica kids that you've pulled the funding for? Is there anything that we can do? Can I invite you to come and see some of the success stories that we are working with? And he said, hey, you know what, Susan, I'm going to have a look at that and come back to you. Now, I didn't hear anything, but I was still praying. That same year, my grandmother died, and he turned up to my grandmother's funeral. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, Lord. So there was the word of God that said, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. There was the community of, so Ruku was saying, do this, come on, do this. The trustees were saying, we're praying, we're behind you. So there was the community. There was the word of God, there was the Holy Spirit. And then at that funeral, he said to me, Susan, I haven't forgotten that funding's coming back. Um, okay, so last year, so my, my leap of faith, um, which is daily <laughs> at the moment, um, but um, last year I said yes to a position knowing that it had the potential to, t to cast doubt over my reputation, over my credibility, um, and it required a sacrifice beyond what I've ever experienced. So I said yes to that, um, and I'm still in the middle of it. I do feel I'm in the storm, but absolutely in the will of God. Uh, but in this, by saying yes, you know, 
I believe that in terms, has it been a success? I think, I, I think we've definitely, um, uh, well, I believe that we'll have success, uh, but I think actually the journey is about me for now. And so, um, you know, and I, I boast about this in Jesus' name because that position, while it has had the potential uh, to, to taint, taint my credibility, I had to make a decision actually it's not about me, it's about, it's about the will of God and it's about what he wants to achieve through me. So by saying yes, it was crazy. I, I was saying to the ladies earlier, there was this ridiculous favor that Pastor Sam has been prophesying um, since the beginning of the year. In the span of three weeks, I, um, I served the King of Tonga, talk, talked about church to him. The next week, I had breakfast with Obama. The next week, I... Um, I had half a day with the Prime Minister, and at the end of this year, I've, I've just been appointed on to um, the Prince of Prince Charles Trust. Um, so that's the man, <laughs> and you know, over there. And uh, but you know, and I, I boast about that in Jesus' name, not because uh, you know I don't get starstruck, because actually with that comes responsibility. And so I'm always seeking God in those moments. As okay, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm asking for those um, kind of, okay, how do I have a conversation with you, Mr. President? <laughs> you know, but, but I know that actually by saying yes, when I knew it meant that it could have an impact on my own personal, represent, uh, my own personal reputation, by saying yes, I am now positioned, I believe, to deliver freedom on, on behalf of Jesus and to deliver a people. So it will be successful. Uh, yeah. Um, for me, it's saying yes to God um, to go to Tonga because that was so against my will. I grew up in Tonga. I was born in Tonga, grew up in Tonga, went to school, and my dream was to come to New Zealand. And so um, I cried. I cried so many times because I wanted my kids to grow up here. Um, they were born here, they had friends, I had my friends here, my family were here. Um, but it's been a journey. I wouldn't say it was um, a failure. It's, it's a journey, a really good journey uh, of 11 years. Um, over the years, I have found that I have uh, built a wall to protect my heart um, through things in life, you know. Things get, you get thrown. Um, from left, right, and center, and you get torn. Um, and so that journey has been good, and God has been so good, so, so good. And um, how did I deal with it? It's just saying yes to God, one foot in front of the other, and saying, God, I'll do it. I'll obey. <laughs> even if I feel inadequate, even if I feel uh, I don't have any confidence, even I, if I feel... I wanted to vent out, and that's how I felt. How come I'm not, how come I can't vent out when people are allowed to do that to me? You know, all these things, all the lines. <laughs> but uh, it's been a really good journey of humbling and surrendering and loving God and, and accepting that God loves me the way I am. And um, I don't need to um, impress. I, I have been accepted, and um, yeah, my love, it's awesome. Um, yeah, for me, the, one of the biggest 
Leaps of Faith has been coming to to well, coming going down to Tauranga to pastor a church down there. We were in London for six years and we were there for life. Um, and we got a call and eight weeks later we were in Tauranga. Um, Carl was on a phenomenal salary in the UK, six figures in pounds. Um, I was volunteering at church full time. Um, we came back to no salary and I cried every time a bill came through. Um, how do I shop when we've got this bill? <laughs> I've seen these boots. Um, I'm not that shallow. Um, but it was hard. It was really, really tough. It was a leap of faith like nothing we'd ever done. But it was exactly what Lavender Boy, what everyone said. It was just saying yes to the call of God. And we talked with um, wise counsel around it. We, we took a leap of faith. We knew what God was saying, but we got around men and women of faith as well, to hash things out with them. We didn't get around friends or family, family that would say, yes, come back, friends in the UK that would say, stay. We got around men and women of faith that said, say yes to the call of God on your life. And and is it a success? Um, I hope church feels like we're doing well. But um, for me, no, because while my sister doesn't know God, while there are family members, while there's people in our community that don't know God, well, there's empty seats in our church, you know, what, what is success? Um, so, yeah, we'll just keep following the call of God and, yeah, being obedient to that and saying yes when it freaks you out, when you're going, crap, what do we do? Well, how do we pay the bills? Yeah, it's just being obedient and, yeah, just keep going. Can you hear the Holy Spirit? Can you hear through this thread, these threads of stories, just say yes? Um, and I think we can confuse a lot of the time our actual responsibility. Um, it's not to figure it all out. Um, our only responsibility is surrender and obedience. And as you know, you can hear in all of these stories, uh, none of it sounds or looks easy. Um, but I love that when push comes to shove, what does that matter? God has said. And so I'm, I'm so encouraged. Amazing. Uh, what gave you, the next question is, what gave you the courage to move from dreaming about going out there, stepping out there, um, and actually making the move and taking the step? For me, it was a revelation from the Word of God, and it was for me this year, and I love what Pastor Kathy preached about because it was the exact word out of Ezekiel um, 23.30, which says, God is looking for someone who will um, stand in the gap, who will rebuild the wall of righteousness. And for me, it was that, that deep sense of conviction that, look who, your responsibility right now is to stand in the gap so you can present the people to God and God to the people. So so that's kind of what gave me the courage. And I always, always you know, Queen Esther in the Bible is just amazing as well as our own Esther, Queen Esther. Um, but I am, every time I get to that point in my life where I think I can't do it, I always think of uh, what Mordecai said to Esther, which was, if you don't do it, God will find someone else, and I don't want someone else to do my job, so that's why I do it. Um, for me, it was a progressive 
uh, journey. I'm the eldest of many children in my family, and uh, the mantle of leadership was on my life in that space. And But there was, I was crippled by fear, I was crippled by a broken childhood, I was crippled by many things, but one thing that I had as a child of a migrant was I, I became a voice. I became a voice in negotiating a telephone bill. I became a voice when we were marginalized because my relatives couldn't speak English. So I understood the call of God on my life. I understood how the poor were marginalized. And there was a hunger in me. There was the tension of brokenness and hunger. And I was nurtured by a God who saw me. He saw me for who I was and what I was. And he wanted to turn that broken treasure into something beautiful. And all of us have a treasure in our heart. All our insecurities, our weaknesses, the naysaying, the weight, the we carry it all so close to our heart, it becomes treasure. And God says, give me that treasure that I can convert it into heavenly capital. And for me, the body of Christ nurtured and grew something broken. My first lesson was in kids' ministry. Like, you know, how did I get into social services? I served in kids' ministry. And you know, those kids taught me so much. Uh, for us who began at Eastside, Equippers Eastside, those small children taught me so much. I am the big person I am today because Pastor Lavender entrusted me with serving <laughs> in kids' ministry. But life's lessons come in the humbling of places. And I love that when the Lord said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do, to bring good news, to heal the brokenhearted. He heals my broken heart so that I have something to give away to somebody else, one person at a time. And so it's a progressive journey. What you're seeing here is a, a snapshot of a journey wrapped in storms, wrapped in trials, wrapped in overcoming. And I am so blessed. I'm in a room full of overcoming women. Um, when I got saved, I, I just loved to say yes to God, whatever, whatever it was. And, and so that um, God has become my, became my best friend forever, best friend. <laughs> and so we, you know, just waiting on God, hearing God uh, in the simplest way. At, at the time when I was single, right up, right up even to now, uh, just relying on God and, and watering myself in God, that gave me the courage to obey. And also to step out is having the assurance that God has protected me. God has provided for me. God has uh, supplied my needs before. He's going to do it again. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going with the, with the assurance that God is my provider. God is my protector. He's going to cover me. Um, so I'm safe, and I have that peace when I, when I, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it was that real deep sense to the core of my belief of what is my conviction, um, and having having a healthy fear of God, just going right down to the depths of, do I have a conviction of what I sing? Do I have a conviction of what I preach, what I read? Is there that true sense of belief that 
there was a fear of God in me to not do what he said. I was brought up in the 80s where it was, there was a lot of like, you will burn an hell kind of stuff. And, um, but I'll tell you what, man, has that put something in me because it's like, do I believe deep down in every part of me that I will step out when God says, will I, no matter what it looks like, how frightening it is, that I won't base my decisions on an emotion, although I do, you know, we get the tears and all that, but, you know, that I'm not going to make my decisions based on an emotion or in a time when I'm feeling sad, that I continually go back to what is my conviction of what God is saying and living in that space, um, because we can, we can, feed each other with happy feelings, but actually that's not going to hold you. Um, so it's the conviction that has allowed me to step out in different spaces. Awesome. So you've stepped out in faith, you've said yes, you're living a life that is out there. Now tell us the truth. <laughs> Sucked. <laughs> Now, truthfully, was it all worth it? Is it, is it? Yes. Is that a trick question? (laughs) Is it all you thought it would be? Yeah. Oh, no. No. No, it's definitely not. And, um, but that's okay. Uh, Because I really believe that um, my obedience is somebody else's opportunity including my unsafe brother, who this week tried to commit suicide. It's just crazy, right? You know, you're kind of in the middle of the will of God. It's that storm. Pastor Kathy again this morning talked about, um, we've got to ask for help, ladies. <laughs> I'm not very good at that. And um, so, <clears throat> um, but um, yeah, it's just, but, but, but will I stop what I'm doing just because the enemy is trying to destroy my family? <clears throat> no. Um, and will my brother be safe? So, yeah, it's worth it because it's not just about my brother. Because when my brother is saved, he's going to release a whole lot of um, others to know Jesus. It will be about... Um, where God's positioning now. There's hundreds of thousands that are going to know Jesus as a result of my obedience, so absolutely worth it. I feel under pressure now. (laughs) No, I don't. Did I know that the will of God would come wrapped in storms that would cut me in half? No. Did I know that from that pain would come amazing anointing, would come the ability to speak life into young women, to call out destiny, to draw others in in your pain? No, I didn't. But every time I see someone break through and someone grow, and you know the pain, it's not all my testimony, so I can't share it here. But I can tell you that a deep hurt happened in our family. It separated my family. I had been like the mother hen, and all of a sudden, my family was split in half. And you know, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And only this week, Pastor Sam preached an awesome message about bruised hearts. And whilst I'd forgiven, I couldn't forget. 
And I had a wonderful sister who said, just ask the Lord to help you forget. <laughs> Many of you who can do that? Oh. <laughs> but I love, I wouldn't change anything. Did I know that being in the will of God would also come wrapped in overcoming breast cancer? No, <laughs> I didn't see that. But do you know what? I know he's in the storm. He's so wonderful. He's so faithful. He's so authentic. There's an authenticity that comes out of that, the confidence that my God is a healer, the authenticity of the life that he's called us to live. And I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. I'm so thankful for the kindness. I'm so thankful. But do you know, strong women, we have a real issue with actually humbling ourselves and inviting the body to be part of your testimony. Yeah. Why wait till the end of the testimony? Nobody gets it. <laughs> when you invite them to walk with you in your testimony, then we all go, wow, that was victorious. And so I, I am. Being in the will of God, yes, there's deep surrender. Comes with pain, comes with dying to yourself. But boy, it's worth it. Yes, it's all worth it. Tell them about the pain. <laughs> um, like what I said before, uh, in the journey, it, it wasn't what I expected. I was all eager to go, go to, go to Tonga and make a difference and change the nation. And then stuff happened, and I, I, I found my heart, you know, just my heart. I found the wanting to help. Why would I want to help anyone else when, you know, I need to help my family? What about my kids? Um, and so that God healed that, you know, um, on the journey. God healed that bruised heart. Um, and now I'm in a place where uh, I want to be the, the person in the gap. I, I want to be the person in the gap to, to bring the good news of salvation to uh, stand up for someone, to pray for someone, to help, to even go and see my neighbor and, and you know, and pray for them. I, I, there's a genuine uh, healed heart that wants to offer help. And yeah, it's, it's all worth it, ladies. But the pain is, the pain is real. <laughs> embrace yourself, embrace the storm, because when you come out or even during, during the storm, you just know the peace of God. You sense the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that even though it doesn't make sense, there's that peace of God that holds you, and the hope that anchors in eternity eternity pulls you, you know, it pulls you um, into that place, you know, and so you'll be all right. <laughs> you'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah, backtrack. It doesn't suck. Sorry for saying that. Um, <laughs> verbal diarrhea. Sometimes it does. It's hard. It is hard. Was it? Is it all worth it? 100% yes. Wouldn't change a thing, you know. And the obedience. You don't know what lies ahead of your obedience. You know, we wouldn't have had. We wouldn't have the two little girls that we've got if we weren't obedient six years ago. Did we know that was even an option? No. We were 10 years you know, not being able to have kids. So that wasn't even on the radar. If we move to New Zealand, we'll end up adopting a little girl. That wasn't on the radar. It was just, 
yeah, just moving in the call of God. And um, yeah, it is hard. It's the storm you get in, but you go through the storm. You keep your eyes fixed. God will get you through the storm. Um, the body of women around you, talk to women. Have your your grounder. Have your lightning rod. I've heard pa- Pastor Kathy talked about it the other day. I've heard Pastor Helen talk about it. Who are those couple of women that you have that you can, I love how Pastor Kathy said it, that you can vomit all over, <laughs> that will just ground you, they'll shape you, get those women in your life, don't do it on your own, it's too hard, you know, we're called to do this together, um, and so, yeah, it's worth it, because I've got those women, I've, you know, we've got our two little girls, and, you know, we'll just keep pressing on, and God will keep opening doors up and we'll keep going yeah it was worth it in the hard times Carl and I you know we'll have a couple of month a week or whatever and we're like oh it's so hard what are we doing are we still cool are we still convicted for this and it's like look at the wins what are we thankful for look at this look who's who gave their life to God look at you know it's just shifting your focus that little bit start looking at what God is doing awesome awesome yeah And so perhaps you can encourage us now, what are, uh, from your own journey, what are the things that would help, um, that has helped you, that would help us stay on the path, stay in faith? I guess we all, we pretty much share it before, obedience is um, a big thing. And, and also the other thing for me, putting the vision at, in front of me all the time, um, equipping people for life. And in Tonga, we have a mandate to raise, raise a generation, to reclaim a nation. That I have put that in front of me. So when, when the tough gets going, you know, I remember, okay, this is what we're about. So, you know, just putting it, make it visible that it's there. Yeah, for me, mission and purpose. You know, called for purpose. Called to, and I'm at an age where, you know, when we're talking about leaps of faith, um, so often initially in those earlier years of your walk it's about you it's about your development but for me it is so much more about raising a generation of leaders I don't want our young girls to wait until they're 30 40 50 I want them to do amazing things now I don't want to wait I don't want a generation to wait until they're perfect I want a generation that will leap out that will step out uh, that will know who they are, that we can celebrate and champion, you know, that next generation. I want the face of New Zealand to look so different. I love that we are part of something bigger and collectively we form part of a story of how God is changing Pacific nations, this nation, Europe, Philippines. Where, could I, where else could I have invested in a big mission? And regardless of the roadblocks, regardless of, car, of what comes, we are all part of something bigger. And that drives me. It's the vision of what's in front of us. Absolutely agree. A couple of other uh, things would be uh, for people like me is to get over ourselves uh, that, you know, and ask for help. Um, we, and, and because you can have the vision and mission in front of you, but sometimes... Uh, we will try and do it in our own strength. So, um, so don't, because <laughs> it makes it extra, extra hard, uh, and you'll end up back at square one. So, um, yeah, 
just um, it's, to get over yourself, that means humbling yourself before God and really submitting that dream, submitting, submitting it to him and to, yes, take deliberate steps, but um, holding his hand along the way. Yeah, um, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, there was power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And that is what drives me. That is what keeps me going. And it's, um, what was our question? <laughs> I can't remember. How, no. sh- how do we stay on the path? Yeah, 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 I, knew it, yeah I knew it was related. Um, <laughs> so that's, uh, <laughs> that is how I stay. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, that is my driving force, you know. That is the grace, you know, when the grace comes upon me, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, you know, just to see, um, you know, women speaking in tongues, it edifies you. There is something in it that is totally unshakable when you go into that space. And so, yeah, the power of the Holy Spirit for me, big one. Awesome. And so final question, um, what are the next steps of faith that you are uh, believing to take to keep living out there? I think for most of us, it is as personal as that our loved ones would come to know Jesus. It is so personal. It is that that broken people would come to know Jesus. That as we keep our eyes on doing what God's called us to do, that as we build his house, he builds our house. And I just have such confidence. I have brothers who have fallen away from the Lord. And each time my heart is in pain because I want so much more for them. It is that personal. Um, yeah, I don't know what my next leap of faith is, um, but I know God always prepares us beforehand. I know before we came to back to New Zealand, for that two years before, there was just probably about, probably about a year before, there was this transitioning going on in me. My journaling was about transition. God was preparing me already. And so I know he's preparing me now, but I don't know what that is. And that's where I love living, because I remember when we first moved back, as Pastor Desiree said to me, it's like the adrenaline of God you live in. You just live in the space of, okay, God, what, what does it look like next? And so, yeah, God will be doing something now, but I don't know what that is. But when it comes, I know I'll be ready to say yes without questioning because he's already prepared my heart beforehand. Um, <laughs> I, I've, um, God just gave me Isaiah 61 uh, for Kingdom Girls in Tonga. Uh, we have a, a women's conference. And, um, and it says the spirit of the Lord, the master, is on me because God has anointed me. To send, he sent me to preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, announce freedom to all captives, pardon all prisoners. God sent me to announce the year of his grace, year of his favor, crazy favor. And I, I just had that this year. It's like I've, I've come out of, uh, of this storm. Remember, there's many storms <laughs> of this storm, and he's placed that on me. You know, I am confident God has anointed me. He's sending me, um, and not just me, I'm representing a whole lot of other women in our church. He has, he, uh, yeah, we need, we are those women to release people that are in prison. We are those women to comfort, to bring comfort. We are those women to come alongside and lift these people up. 
So that's, that's what he's placing on me now. And, and, um, and that's where we're going to head with Kingdom Girls. And then, um, and then, sorry if I'm a little bit longer. And then in return, he, he, he gave me this promise. Then these women, they will rebuild the ruined cities. You know, these women, these women that they'll be released from prison, that they'll be comforted, they will rise up and they will rebuild all cities. That's Tonga. That's our nation. And not just Tonga, but that's the Pacific. You know, our women, we will stand up. We're going to be, that's the planting of the Lord, a strong oak of righteousness. Because we are confident there is a movement that God is raising up. And I am, I am so blessed that I'm part of it. I'm, I'm so blessed. And so that's where I'm heading. I don't know how it looks like. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you've got to laugh. Yeah, my sister Kathy. You've got to laugh at it and then um, leave it on God's hand. Thank you, Jesus. Very similar. I, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I know that God's given me keys to unlock doors for others. And so... Um, so I will just keep doing what I'm doing. I clearly, um, actually, I'm thinking, well, who else is there to have a meeting with? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but actually, but, but you know, there's going to be follow-up because there has to be uh, because they don't know Jesus like I know Jesus. So, but in doing that, it's unlocking doors for other people. So, Come on, can we give these ladies a round of applause? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Like a big round of applause. I hope you've been blessed by that. Uh, you know, uh, I'm so glad as Ruku just finished um, speaking, that was just quickly the, the picture that uh, came to the front of my mind uh, during the panel that I could just see uh, keys shooting out of these women's mouths and unlocking things in your heart now unlocking the way forward where you might have felt enclosed or confined that right that what's been going on is we haven't just been listening to a nice dialogue but the holy spirit has been doing a work in your heart and even ancient doors where dreams that were were that of little girls that those have been opened up again, the initiatives and the ideas that could be solutions and answers for families, for communities, for your loved ones, but for cities in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Aren't you so blessed to be a part of a community of women? Uh, why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say, I'm just so thankful for you. I'd just like to finish up this session really quickly. Um, 2 Corinthians and chapter 6 and verses 11 to 13, it's the scripture, the key scripture for this conference and the message version, it says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. 
the smallness you feel comes from within you. You are not fenced in. You are not fenced in. The walls that you, they, they don't exist. In Christ, they don't, you are not fenced in. But any sort of confinement that we might feel that comes from within us. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives and live openly and expansively. Just all I wanna do in this session and all I I just really believe the Holy Spirit wants to do is I really want us to just spend some time as we have this whole conference just in His presence. Uh, But during worship, I heard the Holy Spirit just say to me that their voices shall be returned to them. And I don't know what might have stolen or silenced or rebuked your voice, but I know here, now, in this moment, your voice shall be returned to you. Or if you have if you have a voice, but it's been turned down to a whisper, it will be turned up. In Jesus' name, that there will be a roar to come from you again. But things, truly, things may have come against you to make you feel confined. But, But when there's something inside of you that is of the Spirit of God, we must be of the stuff that knows how to magnify that. Even while we might feel something else, that we magnify the Spirit of God that is within us, that we lift Him up, that we may not know what the words to say, but even as Pastor Kirsty was saying, come on, we speak in tongues. We speak the language of heaven. We have an accent of faith. We let it loose. And this is the perfect environment because life sometimes causes us to forget. We just forget. There's lots going on and we just forget. But in Jesus' name, oh, I mean, you thought you could talk before. But in Jesus' name, your voice shall be returned to you. And I just wanna read from one scripture and it's in Genesis. Sorry, Judges. It's very different. Judges in chapter 6, and we all know the story, but I'm just going to read one verse. It says in, ch- in, in chapter 6 and verse 1, I think verse 2 is going to come up on the screen. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were the enemy. Verse 2, the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains and caves and strongholds. The Midianites were so cruel that they made hiding places for themselves in the strongholds. Like no one's denying, as we can hear, no one's denying that life is hard and that storms come, but you choose your hiding place. 
you choose it. That's always your choice. You choose where you're gonna run and hide. And wherever you choose to run and hide, there your stronghold shall be. Wherever, ladies, be empowered this afternoon. Wherever we choose to run and make our hiding place, when the challenge comes, when the struggle comes, when the issues are happening, when the storm rolls in, wherever we choose to hide, there your stronghold shall be. And I think sometimes we run and we hide in the things that seem familiar, but they're not God. Uh, at, the, at the end of last year, um, Ben and I found out we were pregnant. So exciting. It's really exciting for my mum. <laughs> She's been waiting. And we were so excited and celebrating and uh, I was just scared. Um, and I, you know, of course, just started thinking, oh Lord, I've got like nine months left to just be super selfish. <laughs> That's it. And then I think I'm gonna have to learn that lesson on another level. And uh, we found this out and we were, we were just about to go on our, on our uh, like trip uh, overseas ministering. We were spending some time in the States, some time in London, and then back in the States again, doing Revolution Tour, whoop, um, in, in high schools, uh, but also ministering at uh, women's conferences and church and youth. And so it was a big trip and we had shared with our friends and we were praying. And we really uh, asked people to pray with us and cover us. And we were in London and we were in the middle of schools week and it was a phenomenal time. And we could see, we could see God moving. We could see freedom. And it's an insane thing to stand and to be in the will of God and to literally see people being set free. It is the most phenomenal thing. And uh, we were, we were um, experiencing all of that. And then on Wednesday afternoon, I remember I started bleeding and it didn't stop. By Thursday, I was in hospital and had fully miscarried. And I know there are women in here who would have experienced that before. And I just remember feeling really hard done by. Like I'm not the chick that dreamed of the big wedding or the children. I would have been very happy, just, I, I'm just so content and so in love with God that what my lot is, I'm just so very thankful. And so I, we weren't really trying for kids. And, but so this was a surprise and the things in my mind, I didn't even, I was just asking like, I didn't even ask for a kid. And then you give me one and then you take him away. I just, I don't understand. And I was shattered and uh, we, I wasn't at home. Where was my family? Where were my friends? And it was so hard. And I remember sitting in this hotel room and uh, the next day, you know, my amazing husband, Ben, he says to me, I'll stay, I'll stay with you, hun. And we'll, you know, we'll spend the day together. And if I ever had an excuse to stay home and have a cuddle with my husband, that would have been the day or the week or the month. You know, I could have really stretched that out. <laughs> 
But I just, this, this, this thing in my spirit, I said to him, babe, you've got to go. You've got to go and do these high schools. You've got to go and speak to these kids. And then you've got to go and preach at this youth rally. You've got to leave me here because I know hope. I'm shattered, but I know Jesus. They don't. I know I'll find strength in Him. I know I'll get home soon. I know the Word of God. I know His promises. You go, you go, because there's a broken world. And it doesn't, it doesn't uh, invalidate the pain that we're going through, but the pain cannot be so distracting that our eyes shift from the divine moment that's in front of us, that here in this moment, I can discover a praise I've never had before. Here in this moment, it is now. It's now in this moment. It's now in this moment, it's in the storm that we find our voice. So if you're going through the struggle, good. That's where you find your voice. That's, where, that's the opportunity for faith to rise in your spirit. That's the opportunity for shift. That's the opportunity there. And so it was only, a, it was only two or three months ago or four, I can't count. It was only a couple of months ago, but I am so very, very thankful. I'm so thankful for the intimacy that pain has granted me. I'm so thankful that I know, that I know that no matter how hard the storm, how much it rages, no matter how how deep the pain and the sorrow, I know God is with me. And so, hey, why don't you stand to your feet? So eventually, after some emotional eating, And I was, to be honest, I was afraid to even look at God, ask God, but eventually I, I did. And I'm, I'm really glad that it takes a shorter time for me to do that now than it did 10 years ago. It used to take me like a, a week to even pray if I were to go through something, a pain like this. But I'm so glad that it only took me not too many moments like an hour, <laughs> several moments. <laughs> and I, I, I opened the Word of God and I asked the Holy Spirit to encourage me. And you know where He took me? To the book of Job. <laughs> right? Is that a joke, God? <laughs> of any time that you could take me to Psalms right now. You can take me to Psalms and me and David can hang out there in the depths of despair, right? 
But I love that instead God says, go to Job. Let faith arise. And he gave me words to speak. And the words to speak was this. In chapter 27, verses 1 to 6, for as long as I draw breath, and for as long as God breathes life into me, I refuse to say a word that isn't true. I refuse to confess to anything that is false. I will not deny my integrity even if it costs me my life. I'm not loosening my grip and believe me, I'll never regret it. And as I read that and I began to hear what God was saying, that right there in the pain, let your mouth be sanctified with praise. 